When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars. Allison? Yes? How are you doing? I'm doing well, now that you can hear me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We recorded the whole episode, (laughs) and I had Allison's mic turned off. I feel like that's symbolic. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do better this time. We're very tired because we've been packing up t-shirts and sweatshirts all day and making multiple trips to the post office. Why? Because the Strange Familiars High Strangeness Tour shirts have arrived We're packing them up as fast as we can. We'll get them out as fast as we can. Thank you, everybody, for being patient. They are worth the wait. These things look really great. Yeah, they look really great. And I wanted to thank our friend Sage, who printed them for us. Sage has Forest Passage Printing. He did an excellent job. Helped me bring these from my illustration and design ideas. He helped me bring them to life and printed the shirts, and they look amazing. So once again, thanks to Sage at Forest Passage Printing. And thanks to everybody who pre-ordered. Thanks for your patience. We're getting them out as soon as we can. On tonight's show, we're going to be talking to Andrew, who has this pretty interesting possible juvenile Bigfoot encounter, and then some other strange encounters in his neighborhood as he was growing up, which may be related to this same creature or maybe another one. And then he tells some stories about some kind of big dreams, we'll call them, where he has interactions with reptilians and other quote-unquote alien species. I don't think they're space aliens. Before we talk to Andrew, though, I want to thank our patrons. Thank you, patrons. Thank you for your support. Thanks for all you do. We could not do Strange Familiars without you. We just dropped a new patron show, Chad and I went to Site 7 back in March, and Octavian from Strange Dominions podcast popped on and helped me talk about the sounds, helped me break it down. We captured some pretty interesting stuff there. We were definitely seeing lights. The lights were definitely there, but we captured some interesting howls and this drone that sounds at times like almost like a flute. It almost has a melody to it. Very, very interesting. So our patrons got to hear that. If you want to hear these extra patron shows and help support Strange Familiars, you can do so by becoming a patron at Patreon, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. 
We do two full extra episodes of Strange Familiars every month for our patrons. There's 90 episodes right now. When you sign up, you get those 90 right away. And then the new episodes we add monthly. Another feature we're doing for patrons is we're doing almost ad-free shows now for our patrons. What does that mean? The weekly shows will go up and they will be almost ad-free. The 90 days to the Perfect Puppy ad is kind of baked in. We do it as part of the show. So that's still going to be there. But all the other ads won't be there. If you want to get the almost ad-free shows, we'll be putting those up weekly for our patrons as well. Patreon.com slash familiars. All right, let's go ahead and talk with Andrew. Tonight we're talking with Andrew, who has some stories to share with us, starting from when he was about eight or nine. Very young. You saw this, uh, which he said is a possible juvenile Bigfoot. If you don't mind, can you mm-hmm. tell us where this happened? You can be as general as, or as specific as you want, and about what year it was. Okay, yeah, I uh, have this kind of general idea of places. It's in the northeast and the southern end of one of the peninsulas that sticks out and, and we'll call it like this Northwoods area. Okay. And it's, there's a lot of intercoastals, but of course I moved when I was five, I might've been younger than eight or nine moved when I was five from the town over to this Northwoods town. And right down the street, we had a bog and there was woods all around. And my older brother and I would go and play with our neighbor friend who lived at the end of the street. And next to this bog, it was a little pond swamp in Northwoods was we called it the hermit hut because we thought that, you know, either there was some like hermit that lived there or whatever. And it was big enough for us to stand. And if we were, if we were under eight years old, like, I guess what would be maybe like, you know, three and a half to four and a half foot tall or so. So it was kind of big. It was bigger than what we could put together as kids. So it was awesome for us to play in, but it stunk. (laughs) And we didn't ever really know why we just figured because it was right by the bog that's why it smelled the way it did and i i had thankfully i really haven't smelled that smell since which i guess maybe is a good thing so we would play there and it was one winter day after you know we'd had established our little hangout spot and i forget you know i guess in those days you used to call people on the phone or you had like you would schedule stuff like people do today but like if you were you were either there or you weren't yeah. And it wasn't as, as it wasn't as fluid. So, right, right. Of course, it was after school. We had probably in February or January. It was cold, so I went down and I'm, I'm calling out to my friend. Her name was Gail. Like, and I, I had gotten to the end of the street. I made a right turn and I, I turned down the path because the path was dug out towards the bog because it was an intercoastal. So there's a whole series of intercoastals that actually leads to a bigger, greater forest. So there's all these paths and this is now it's more developed. So these types of encounters are probably less likely. And I'm calling out to her. I'm like, Oh, where, where is she? And I, I look all the way across the bog. I follow the, the brook that leads to the bog. Cause it was maybe like a, it wasn't like a, it, it kind of would dry up, but maybe we get two to three foot deep. If you like went in it, like we never went in it in the summertime. It was disgusting. It was mm-hmm. covered with green moss and it stunk, but there was a, a pond behind that. And then behind that pond, underneath the road it led out to the bay with the intercoastal so i had called out to her and i looked across the the bog and i saw something kind of like now that i'm looking back in my mind's eye 
doing the lean back and forth by a tree. And I'm like, I'm like, Gail, get it. Like it was her, like a little kid. You just see a dark figure all the way across. Did you know this thing pushed off of the tree and the way it moved across the way was so fast and smooth. I just was taken back. I Gail's must've been really fast this day and it darted. And in between that time that it was not, there was not enough time for a five to seven year old kid to run. It was the, the bog must've been close to 200 yards, like deep by a hundred or maybe like 300 by like a hundred or like a hundred feet, 300 yards deep by a hundred, 150 feet. It was smaller than a football field, but like kind of longer. And I wasn't even at the bog yet. I was still like walking up to it and the hermit hut was halfway there mm-hmm. in the middle. And that, what I thought was her at first disappeared. And then she was right there. Like there was some type of like, you know, a portal or something. Cause the thing had just disappeared and she was right there. And I'm like, wasn't that you just across the bog? I asked, she's laughing at me. She's like, what, who, what are you talking about? And I'm looking and she has a dark blue coat on. Now I'm, I have excellent, like I like to do art as well. And I have, have a good sense of color. I'm not colorblind. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, Again, I'm re-remembering like the photos that are burned into my brain as well. I'm looking at her and thinking, this doesn't look like the person that I've just seen. And she's just laughed. And we played anyway. But like as I've re-remembered this and, and I've listened to other accounts, I think in my head, I'm like, could it have possibly been something? And mm-hmm. it's something that when you start adding up the, the tree structure, the smell, and then, you know, an encounter from all the way across and it pushing off the tree. It just, it, it seems all too possible. Yeah. She would just laughed it off. Like we didn't, we were little kids. We didn't think much, but, but we played there. Like we still played there. And we'd so likely with these types of things, it was probably still watching us Oh, I'm and, sure. and, and trying to, trying to understand and socialize. And it was probably mad. You know, these kids are, playing in my little lean-to hut, my house or whatever was going on. But yeah, that was um, possibly the, the first encounter. Now, you said the word portal. What makes you say portal? Because you didn't see Gail before and then suddenly she was there? Like, well, yeah, because I had thought that she was all the way on the other side. But that does lead me to another story way a little bit later. I mean, if we go in total of all my strange familiar encounters, we can keep it to one type of genre and, and give some hints. But, and this goes, I have many people because I've, I've worked on different, uh, different beaches, but in this area, you know, working as a lifeguard and different towns have come together about, you know, lost kids. And there's on the record of like kids going too far, like in the amount of time that's possible for a kid to run. But that's, that is another story. But she, yeah, she just, she was coming, her house was closer from that direction anyway. Like if she was to my right, like, I don't know, two, 300 feet. And you know, this being was what 300 yards is 900,000 feet all the way down. And it ran, you know, a couple hundred feet to the right. And then I looked and she was like popping right out, like, there was if she, if that was her then she would have ran through a oh like I a, see what you're portal. saying okay like if there I, was no and and the shape looked different like right, if she was right. shorter like a little like more stout she wasn't fat but it was like a five year old compared to a possible juvenile bigfoot that okay. might have been like five and a half foot or who knows you know like 
right different different looking and not pitch black this was a this was just a dark like entity you couldn't see the eyes or face and it and the arms were long i mean i i'm looking back at this encounter because it was that significant that it, it was just really really interesting and it does tie into something else because i used to play in the woods a lot there a i was just confused because i thought i thought you were saying there was something weird about the way gail showed up as well but i, I get what you're saying now like it was... we were scheduled to meet there that, right, at that right. time yeah. so so maybe the thing was lurking anyway or maybe like because there's a schoolyard there there's and that's another thing as well there's a there's a schoolyard right on the other side of the bog so say hypothetically those things if either they get outcast or they don't have other ones to play with and I guess the parents are probably always around somewhere, but this was when there was a lot more woods in this North Woods area. Are we talking somewhere in yeah. New England? It's further south. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because to my mind, I'm I'm thinking, you know, what we call albatwitch here, which we don't think are juveniles. We just think they're whatever they are. They're something different. They're smaller. And, and smaller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, they have the puck wedgies in New England. And I was just wondering mm-hmm. if, it, if it may have been something you know, not a juvenile, but just a different, whatever those are, you know, a little foot, whatever yeah. those, those little people well, are. But, sure. But what leads me to believe that it was the juveniles is, is the second encounter I had. Oh, is, okay. Is that I, yeah, because I played, I made a ninja course. And there was also, we would joke about the reason this ninja course got made is because there was tales of this Northwoods ninja. It's not, there was a, it was a different beginning part of the word but it was like a thing it was like don't go in the woods at night there's something that jumps from trees to trees and i had talked to my next neighbors well the girl gail lived behind the people that lived at the end of the street but my one neighbor like and this was just what a good mother would do it's, oh well, you know i have a i have a brother and he's just like crazy might have been him playing a prank he would like he would he would he'd do something like that mm-hmm. dress up like a ninja and hide out and scare people or something and I was like, I don't know. You guys just moved in from town. I'm trying to tell you what's going on. And, you know, I didn't even tell her about the story with me and Gail because I didn't even put that two and two together. I just said kind of, but it did stick in my brain because it was something that didn't compute. So, so there the these, second encounter. Yeah. There were these neighborhood tales of this ninja. Yes. Yeah. Not too much, but there was people that would, there was a couple tales. I don't have anything I could try and, Go. I, I really wanted to try and corroborate and talk with some of these people, but they might have forgotten. At least my one friend, Leandro, about the second encounter, because this was very lucid. The second encounter was at our ninja course, which, so if I walk down my street, go to the right, follow the brook, hit the bog, then there's the schoolyard out of the woods. If you walk another 300 yards, there is these a bunch of different taller trees, but they're a lot more climbable for kids that are maybe, we were playing traveling team soccer. We were you know, 12, 11, great shape, fantastic. Like we could run like the wind, every kid can at that age, right? Mm-hmm. So we had had this course set up where we had ropes going from trees to trees. We had things that we would stand up with like just scrap wood and like a, a trampoline that was made out of a piece of plywood. That I, and at that time I, I was like a bit of an acrobat so I could do front flips and all these fun things. And we would just go there and play for hours on end after school. That's what kids did in the 90s. It was a good time. It was safe. And Leandro and I, I guess we didn't have soccer practice or whatever it was that day. And so we were like, oh, let's, let's keep building our ninja course. And it was just hours. It was all hours. And we had so much fun back there. But going, like thinking back to it, like if there was this 
this possible Bigfoot. You're going from when I was, I moved when I was five, so we're going from six to seven. This is five, six years later, right? So if you have a juvenile Bigfoot that's under five, six foot tall, in five, six years, they're going to not be juvenile. They're still going to be like mindset-wise juvenile. They're going to want to interact more than like the adults do. But yet, so we were doing this and I did a front flip off of this thing and I'm, you know, we're doing high yas and all that crazy <laughs> fun stuff, climbing up, jumping from tree to tree. I was doing that first, climbing the tree. And then we started doing like the kicks and, and the flips and stuff. And we were just in our own little world, but like totally in that zone of kids and playing and out of the woods to where if, if you had followed down the street, make the right, go down the brook, go past the bog, the schoolyards to your left, and you make that other 300 yards. And then the ninja course is up in this little like thicket of trees, a little grove, and there's a little bit of an opening, but it's in the woods. And if you kept going, then the next part is this bridge. And I guess what the heck was the name of the bridge? If I actually said the name, then people would be like, bingo. So no, we'll call it McTaffey's Bridge. That's kind of close. So the people that know them know, that's a good one. So McTaffey's Bridge. And that was on the other side of the clearing. But there was like an opening out to the right. And the opening was as big as like an eight-foot set of French doors, maybe, taller. But it wasn't totally open. It was just like, you know how the woods has those those like kind of hallways that you go and you have to turn. You can't see right out. Because mm-hmm. we weren't where anyone could see us, but you could get out. But we had our little opening in our little area where we had our ninja force. So we're sitting there, and it was after I, you know, kicked down one of the stand-up things that was a bad guy, and I did a front flip or whatever. And yeah, it's so cool. And out of nowhere comes, ooh, ooh, who are you? Like that, like an owl, like big, like as big as almost bigger than the opening. We couldn't, we couldn't see it, like. Like if, if where it sounded like it was coming from, it was standing and probably if it was just as dark, it was standing just out of where you could see any of the light. But the voice was so big, it was like, and I looked at my friend, I said, did you hear that? And then the feeling came over mm-hmm. us, like where your hair stands up. And it was like, I don't know, we got to go. And we knew every path, the paths were windy. Like we didn't run up to the schoolyard and like go crying to everybody. We were running back to to my house which we had to go past you know reverse it you're going to schoolyards on your right then you bust the left you go on the far side of the bog this thing is pacing us the entire time and there was only a couple paths that you could run and my friend Leandro and I were like halfbacks on soccer team like we were running about as fast as like I don't think I can run that fast now I know that mm-hmm. and this thing just paced us right out and we got back we haven't I haven't talked to him since about it we didn't talk about it after that day I don't think we went back to the ninja course <laughs> after that. I think that was just kind of done after that. Wow. So uh, it was very, very flooring because we thought it was somebody messing with us. But we, at that age, when you're 10 or 11, you're getting to that, like where you can tell if people are messing with you, if it's an adult, if it's a teenager, right? Like you're getting those spatial relations as to like what things are like someone yelling at you through the woods. It's like, what was somebody set up like a ladder and stood up like eight to 10 feet and had a megaphone hmm. or, or like one of those, you know, like the cheerleader things, not right. like an amplifier one. Yeah, yeah, Is that yeah. what they did? And they went into that and they went, who, who, who are you? Are you kidding me? Like, I don't think it was that. So as, as I've 
been listening to a lot of other people's accounts and piecing back my own experiences because I just kind of got these flashes in my memory like, oh, that is kind of familiar like that. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> wow, could it have been? And as I just sussed it out in my head, I'm like, wow, it's, it's more than likely it was. So, um, so did you actually see a, a form? Mm-mm. Not the second time. The first time I did. Yeah, the first yeah. time was a distinct form, and mm-hmm. it's and it was very similar to any of the videos that you see of the doobie, to mm-hmm. where their head's kind of thin, they're like a little lanky, and they're just totally pitch black. Like you don't get to see any type of facial features. Right, I guess because their faces are smaller, yeah. but their but their heads are kind of like that weird, like not like a helmet shape, but like they're. <sighs> They're roundish, right? Because I, but they don't have that sagittal crest as much. But they're not like, they're not like a human's head. Like a little kid has a head, and it's got the, what is it, the occipital lobe on the, the back mm-hmm. of the head that sticks out a little bit, especially for little kids. Like they don't have that. They just kind of have like, they look like a popsicle, almost mm-hmm. like a little black popsicle with shoulders coming down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So to, to like go, even from the side. To go back to that first encounter. Mm-hmm. Can you describe the movement? Like you said, it was fast. Yeah, it was. It was incredibly fast. They had it had pushed off the tree, and the way in which it ran, like little kids, kind of bounce. Mm-hmm. Even when she came jogging up, bounce and go side to side. This thing, like other people say, like it was swimming almost. And the arms and the way it carried itself. I guess they do it to run quietly if they want, but it didn't. It didn't run in the way that we're used to seeing one another run at all. No, it ran like so fluid and it was so fast that I obviously if it had run from where it was to where she was, maybe it could have made it there in that time, but she wasn't running that fast when she came up to me. Right. And and, and it was a different color too. I mean, yeah. this is, you're talking about the lighting was the same. It wasn't like she stepped out. Like we we're all kind of in the woods. It was woods wasn't dark and it was, filled in even though it was a winter time it was it wasn't as cut back and she was wearing blue with a red a, a red stripe and the thing that i saw you know she came up to me with her left side kind of up to me but but with her like belly button towards me and this thing stayed sideways the whole time mm-hmm. i didn't see it plain like with its belly button lined up to me it stayed like behind the tree and was to the side and then once it knew that i saw it it was like I mean, obviously, I'm calling out for my friend, but looking over at where I'm thinking she's going to come out, which she eventually did. But this thing caught my eye, and I was like, "Whoa, what is that?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's Gail." I'm like, and I'm looking, and I stopped, and it ran, and it was like, doo, 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 probably fifty, sixty yards, in, I don't know, maybe three or four seconds. Like it was faster than a human would usually, an adult human could run it. Like right, it was right. incredibly fast. It was very fast. And then she came kind of trotting out like, uh, and I'm like, how did you get from all the way over there to here? And she's like, what, what are you talking about? And I was like, uh, like, cause you're, you're a maybe five to seven year old kid. Like those types of things, I guess much of your world doesn't add up anyway. Sure. So you yeah. just kind of dismiss it yeah. and you're just like, all right, whatever, you know, I've heard some people describe the movement as it looked like they, it was skiing, like on cross country skis or something. Yeah, it could have been that. Yeah, either that or like swimmingly or something. It was mm-hmm. something the way the way the arms carry it. It did not bounce up and down. Its head stayed really level. It, it's like if you were running and you could use your arms, but you had to keep a tray full of drinks steady. 
at the mm-hmm. same time gotcha. on your shoulders or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're using your arms and you're not letting your head like move up and down at all. Mm-hmm. Like that's how it ran. But it did it in a way that it was very natural looking where humans would have to counteract what they did mm-hmm. to do it. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was um pretty interesting uh, to say the least. And the encounter at the ninja course, again, just to be clear, sure. Because some people say like Al's say like who 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 cooks for you or something like that. You actually heard mm. it say the words "Who are you?" Correct. Who are you? Yeah. yeah, like it was like ready to like introduce itself and try and talk like like some of those other stories that you hear about when they're abandoned and they want to make friends and stuff. Because I guess if they if they listen long enough, they can probably pick up some language or maybe it just didn't mind speak to both of us, but it was very audible. It was a very oral type of, and you felt it as well. The vibrations were very, very powerful, mm-hmm. very powerful. Was it deep voice? But it was, yeah, who, who, who are you? Like, oh, yeah, wow. was, yeah. Yeah, like, and it was big. I have an owl that lives behind my house. I have woods behind my house, which still... I think honestly, there's a time later, and I don't know if I want to get into it, but <laughs> where I started like dealing with days of a panic attack and other stuff happened. I'm thinking because I, I play piano, and sometimes I might have had music coming out of the house or something, and the dogs were away. So there's a possibility of that because they say that when they're in your vicinity, that you can sense them. Right? People say that they get that like pit in their stomach and they don't feel like something's right or something. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was, and that was in the last couple of years. So I don't know if one still comes around. I mean, maybe it does. Maybe it, maybe it trash, trash picks or, you know, hunts the way it would do. A Bigfoot does. It's, it's maybe it's just a rogue one or, or supposedly in the, in the bigger set of woods, that's, that's 20, 30 miles back from, cause I'm a little closer to the coast. That's supposedly a hot spot. I mean, that's like a known area where they had done, I guess, fleer camera sightings or something and screaming in the middle of the night. I, I think you'd remember if you would know what show I'm talking about, you know, they had done that. You and your friend are both in this ninja training area and you both heard the speech. Yes. Yes. We were scared white. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Enough to where we just ran and he went the way he went home. He walked down the busy street that's near though. He didn't go back through the woods. Like usually you go through the woods past the schoolyard and then there's like a path that people run on and bicycle on that's safe. But then there's kind of like a more main street that's more closer to a highway, not like a busy freeway, like four lane highway, but it's just a higher speed limit than like residential. And he wouldn't go back through the woods. And we didn't, I don't think we played in the woods after that. that wow. Was it. Did you ever talk about yeah, it? We're done. That's what I'm saying. We haven't, I had, that's, I wanted to reach out to, I can't find them through Facebook. But this is, I've been trying to like get this together for the last couple of years. I've been commenting and talking about things and I have not, like not publicly like to my yeah, friends yeah. and stuff, but, mm-hmm. uh, but like thinking about it and I just haven't been able to find them. I haven't wanted to like contact this family because they're like, why, why do you want to contact him? Like, Oh yeah. Not yeah. to say that, you know, like, but just they go, well, because uh, I'm going to talk about something. <laughs> like, I just think maybe he's just compartmentalized and, uh, but I would like to run into him and be like, Hey, do you remember that? I meant, uh, but I mean, at the time when you were kids, did you talk about it? Not really the possibility of it. We didn't think that because of the way our area was developed, we didn't really think that that was a possibility. Oh, when you, yeah, not, I mean, not even necessarily about it being Bigfoot, but just about the encounter. Like, did you guys like, yeah, you know? no, that's what I'm saying. We yeah. never spoke about, and we were still friends. We played on, we played soccer together up through high school. We didn't ever speak about it. 
ever that's again. interesting that's that's an interesting little note no that's that's what happens too that was the other things that, that's why i started thinking about these things the way i did because of, of hearing these accounts and i'm like wait a minute i remember the who who are you and and then it gets you get into your head about well what are these false memories or whatever and there was a half pipe as well that I don't really know if it was an encounter or this kid was just messed up and he wanted me off of the half pipe. But I've, I've written about that as well, that we, my older brother and I would go skateboarding. We would clean the half pipe off, right? Make sure there's no stones. And we would be skateboarding. And what does a stone fall out of the tree? Like, it, I'm like, I'm serious about this stuff. Like, I think this thing was because that half pipe was on the other side of busy street down this like slanty road that, that had all bay behind it and we had this like six or eight foot half pipe that a bunch of my other friends had built and one day i was back there just by myself and he came my friend came up and he snatched me up and he's come on come on we gotta go we gotta go now he's like don't look back he's like just keep running keep going. i'm like what are you talking he's like go 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 i'm like he might have been walking up and seen something just enthralled about a kid just skateboarding because we had had issues with the stones a couple times and not to say we heard snickering from the woods or with like we would hear tree knots and stuff in there but i always thought it was people hammering like mm-hmm. it's it's weird it was really weird growing up when playing in the woods as much as i did as a kid in this area and then i guess just out of randomness or boredom and listening to some of these accounts of people encountering bigfoot and being like is it possible like there was a couple times in my life that that had happened to where something comes down because it would make sense if they hunt by this intercoastal back bay and, and that leads to this bigger grove of woods that runs up and down the state um, now i'm giving more hints but that's good that's a pretty possible thing and i haven't talked to many people that live out in that bigger part of the woods but i wouldn't be surprised if it's more of a common thing they're like oh yeah they're out here it just depends on how far yeah they like I, to go into i mean i tell you i, I don't think they need a lot of woods, honestly. Like, I think mm. the old way of looking yeah. at it was like, you know, they need yeah. miles Canada and miles of woods, of, of woods and yeah. stuff. And I think yeah. as things move on, the more encounters I take from people, you know, some are not very rural at all. You know, there's just a little <laughs> bit of woods, you know, it's like, yeah. and I believe How them. I believe them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I guess maybe it's just that they're so good at moving at night. They're so cloaked, like dark wise. So if they're only out at night, you know, you might see something run across the street when you're driving. But if they find if they make their own little like hermit hut and hide out as long as they're somewhere where no one can bother them. Or if they hear people come up and they they run and hide somewhere else, that would be really, really something for a bunch of sightings in like a place that kind of I guess, you know, how developments and, and woods kind of shrink and say one kind of gets stuck. In, in a place to where everything got so developed out of it, it can't eventually it's like in the whole month it's like last little grove of trees and all the humans are around it being like come on it's time to go get out of here like so that kind of takes you back to the, the stuff that you researched that with like the 1890s and stuff where the, the towns band together and they they cap they capture the wild man i mean that stuff <laughs> i don't understand how people can deny it in this day and age when there's like video certain not video but video isn't as good but the film footage yeah and and all the papers it was written in papers the wild men I mean. that was a huge convincing factor for me it was the consistency of the reports what they were talking yeah. about yeah. in those old articles exactly. and what people talk about mm-hmm. today it's the same thing whatever it is i'm not i don't you know and i can't tell you exactly what it is we call it bigfoot yeah. but beyond that i don't know what yeah. it is 
but whatever they're yeah. talking about is the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely not humans. I mean, there's some people that are built certain ways and have certain looks about them, but this is, this is much different. And it's then it's not even monkey looking either. It's kind of, it's really close to that Chewbacca type of thing. And it's just funny how those types of images get put into our heads and like social conditioning and whatnot. But uh, I think it all comes from a place of the human experience here mm -hmm. and, and what, what we see in everyday life and what is a little bit here and there. You don't, you don't get to see all of them. So this possible encounter on the skateboard ramp, are, are yeah. you an older teenager at this time? Well, I was, I started skateboarding when I was seven, eight years old, but this oh, was really? closer to maybe 11 or 12. Yeah. I mean, but this, okay. this was the, the skateboard ramp. I mean, these kids, they, they were the cool kids. Like, you know, there was that smell that was coming from out from under the ramp that I didn't realize what it was until <laughs> I was like 16 or 18. Like, I'm like, ah, it smells like the skateboard ramp. And they're like, dude, I'm like, all right, <laughs> we got that together finally. But, uh, so, yeah, it was kind of funny. Uh, we were still pretty innocent, like 12, 13 years old. I don't think I was 14 yet. 14 high school. So. Mm -hmm. Fifth, sixth grade still. You know, little little cool skater kid. A little preppy, though, too. But, you know, I'm going to just go after school and go across the busy street. Because I couldn't cross the busy street until after you were, like, 12 or 13. Right? Mm -hmm. and otherwise, you need to cross with your older brother. My older brother was... See, that was the thing, too. My older brother was three years older than me. So when he was 13, I started going back to the skateboard ramp. I was only 10. But eventually, when I knew how to cross the street, I didn't have to be 13 anymore. I might have been 12. Like, I think that I, the who, who are you, I think, happened before the skateboard ramp and the other friend. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Or it was around the same time. It was, it was within a couple of years. It was or, or within maybe if the one thing happened in the spring, then the thing with the skateboard ramp, because the skateboard ramp got built a couple of times. And this was the second skateboard ramp. This wasn't the very first one. But yeah, it was just weird. You know, I mean, the, I passed that off though. This kid, you know, had a, a history of, you know, taking things that would make him see things or, or not, you know. But I, even that, I mean, I think he genuinely was concerned for me because that day I, I had, cleaned off the ramp and i think that day i kept getting stones on the ramp <laughs> mm -hmm. like i just because they're just like little efforts like that right i mean don't people deal with that all the time when they're when they're somewhere and they just start getting rocks thrown at you rocks thrown at you and they're just it's their way of saying hello or something <laughs> i mean i've definitely had it before yeah. yeah we couldn't figure out what it was and we th yeah. we thought they thought they were walking around us or something we couldn't and then at some point i heard it come through the leaves the stone. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. And then I saw, I, I finally saw one hit. I'm like, these are, they're throwing stones at us or throwing acorns yeah. or something, you know, or both or yeah. sticks uh -huh. or, you know, whatever it was. But yeah. that's what all these sounds we were hearing around us. We kept, we were like, and we were. It was like Gadzu Woods, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we were like, yeah. how, how are they yeah. doing this? How are they getting this close? And eventually I was like, this, this is, they're throwing things. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we couldn't see anything. We kept looking for, we hear mm -hmm. noises and we couldn't see a thing. Yeah, and was this in the in the daytime or in the evening? When no, you this, there? Is still have to, this is the Yeah, night. see, that's yeah, they'll be much more sociable there because they have the the cover of darkness. 
So as you're growing older, like for me, I kind of, you know, I was interested in this stuff when I was younger and then I kind of grew out of it, you know, had to get into girls and punk rock sure. and everything. And then, yeah, yeah. And then uh, came back to it a little bit older, but did you continue to have experiences? I can say that <clears throat> going back into my childhood and before a lot of the more of the woods got taken down, there still is this pathway though towards my woods. You only have to cross. You can get from the intercoastal, which would lead back to this bigger national type of forest in three to five miles, and you only have to cross like two roads, maybe three roads. I mean, there's like a kind of a quote unquote interstate. I'm just trying to use general terms and then two highways. So it's, it's not out of the possibility that the thing could still be lurking around in in the quote unquote North woods around here. But yeah, thankfully I haven't, I haven't had any sightings driving around this area. Nobody really talks about it. So yeah, I haven't, I've been lucky that things have been okay. And there hasn't been, things have always been civil. But mm-hmm. the dogs, the, the German shepherds, and they just like to bark at anything. But I think that there is likely something that likes to sleep in the thicket of woods that's right behind my house. I'm mm-hmm. not kidding. Because sometimes they, they like to go out every night. And sometimes they like to really, really bark. And then I had that photo I had shared on the group of the stick. But that, that's likely that it could have fallen from the tree. But I don't know, man. Like, I just, the more I think about stuff, the more I start to kind of go, Hmm. It was a stick that was what? Did you, do you remember the photo I'm talking about? Or there's just so many, so much different content. Yeah, there's a lot on was, there. So yeah, yeah, I was going to yeah. ask you to remind me. Yeah, it was a stick that was stuck three, four inches in the ground. The ground was very wet. It's all dirt in the backyard because there's two dogs, or maybe it was only one at the time. But either way, and this stick had broken off and was stuck like five inches in the ground. Now you're trying to tell me I've lived. It's the only time I've seen a stick stuck in the ground like that. Like, like maybe there was like little ones that had, had been done like that, but it's very incredibly rare to see a branch stuck in the ground and sticking straight up. It's not impossible, obviously, mm-hmm. but it just kind of makes you think. It just kind of makes, and, and if you think about their tree structures and, and out west and how they get bigger, like maybe it was its way of saying, look, I'm sick of getting, having your dog bark at me. Don't go past this point. And they put that stick in the ground. And they're, uh, they're the, when the, I've heard the similar things. I've heard similar things. Yeah. There was uh, yeah. one story on Sasquatch Chronicles where the guy said they had basically put markers in the yard that, to tell them where to stop yeah. so, so the lights wouldn't come on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 So we don't have any motion lights, thankfully. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I would want to be as, as Sasquatch friendly as possible, singing songs. I just want to go along. Because it seems like when people go to war with these things, it doesn't ever turn out. Good. No, I, yeah, I, I would, I would recommend not. If you, if you can avoid I, it, don't, because uh, yeah. they're going to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're quite crafty, and they don't have much else to focus on. Apparently, it, so exactly. Like they watch TV and have face. They don't have Facebook distracting them every minute. But maybe that's. It's, but they have their own. Don't they have their own Wi-Fi? They have their mind speak and all the star people. I mean, then this totally these experiences lead into other things. And the other night, Tim, like two nights ago, I had like one of the craziest dreams. It's the quote unquote like the panspermia dream, where like have you ever seen the movie Love and UFOs? No. Oh really? Oh, watch that movie. It's great. I mean, and you can keep this all together because it does tie together. And I'll go back in between of like so two nights ago this dream was because i've I've had dreams of encounters with like star people 
when I was in my in the high school after these two encounters, I woke up out of a dream and had sleep paralysis. I woke up out of a dream and was paralyzed and it was in color and it was a reptilian standing over me. And I didn't like, I didn't realize what it was until years later. Like, I guess when the internet, internet got like a little bit bigger, but remember like the Mars malevolent alien research society, I think that so. was like an early, yeah. yeah, early, early internet, like late nineties. So this late nineties, I'm, I'm graduating high school, but this happened when I was like 13, right. When I was just like, you know, growing up and yeah, this thing was standing over me and I was paralyzed and it was like fighting me in my brain. And I just looked at it and thought it to it. I was thought to, and very powerfully, I was like, you have no control over me. And I woke up out of it. Wow. And thankfully, I've only met the good star people since, and I've lucidly dreamt, and and have done. But like, yeah, so there's oof, there's some really crazy dreams, man, and very important crazy parts of my life, like very spiritual. It's a good thing, but it's very deep, and it ties into you know my life in total, and it's a it's a beautiful thing. But they're very they're like almost like demiurges, like you pray to God, right? And God gives you things, and it's pretty amazing you manifest things. But then, like, if you pray to God and say, all right, well, is this supposed to be like this, or is this for real? Like, show me or tell me in my dreams, and, and you're good at dreaming, and, and you're outside a lot and getting good, you know, sunrise or sunset and, and stimulating your pineal gland and all those types of uh, things that help you dream. Like, those dreams are get so intense, and um, they do show you things. Like, I've had the dream where you go into the ship and you see someone and it was kind of like the movie contact, but this person had a significance and I can't, if I can get into the details of this stuff, it would be really good. Maybe it's for a book that I could write, but this person was kind of like the movie contact. They were like, Oh, this is how it's always done. And I'm like, what? And then they brought me up and I saw like in space, I saw like Jupiter, Saturn. And then I went up out of the solar system and then I went up out of the universe and like out of consciousness and had like the ego death and like the answers to everything that you get in certain type of states. Like if you go to like festivals and shows and do those types of things and had that total ego death. And I woke up and after that, then my life had a significant change because I had all these things going on in the background that were very scary you know, life-threatening things, types of things, but um, Health not things? people threatening my life, but like life-threatening types of things, but not threatening my life. It was like, it was like a warning from spirit to say, mm -hmm. Hey, and the star beings face like turned out to be the same face of somebody. I guess, I don't know if it's people's higher selves or what it really makes you think. And you have to remain in gratitude about it because when you start to experience life like that, you can tap into the divine guidance. So yeah, that was, gosh, that was in 2012. So that's when I started listening to channeled messages from the creators and understanding the idea of, you know, interdimensional, extra dimensional, hyperdimensional things, beings and whatnot, like a fifth dimensional reality, stuff like that. But the, this last dream, I'll let that only do it one more time before we uh, go. This last dream was the, the dream of like loving UFOs. And I had seen that movie maybe a year and a half ago, loving UFOs. I never thought about that. I didn't have reoccurring issues like that, but I was in some type of like laboratory setting and 
there was these containers of things and these these other type of human people, but they were taller and bigger and like the wide eyes, but they you look at them and they're not like the friends. They're not like your family that you see in your dreams. Like they have this different mental connection mm-hmm. and, and they're kind of taken back that you can be conscious of them. Like, I guess like they're like, oh, they're waking up out of their regular dream state or whatever. However you remember, because usually you don't remember your dreams. I don't dream every night. And usually you'll wake right up out of it. You'll be either driving down the road or whatever. And so I saw this one being that kind of reminded me of like my cello teacher. And then I saw this other thing. Then they put me in a different room. But before I left, like the containers of what this whole idea of this panspermia of like life and it's all kind of the same type of thing repeating and everything is related. Like that was the message of it. And this I guess other star being it was like a, a divine feminine energy, but didn't have real long hair, but kind of looked like the female from the movie, the quote unquote female from the movie um, Loving UFOs. Then I could see my last name perfectly spelled out. And they say that when you're dreaming, you can't read the letters. Like they change. Like I've tried to look at clocks. I tried to, I haven't ever been able to read letters in my dreams. And I could read it like it was burned into my head. It was like crazy. Hmm. But it's that, but that's something you've seen your entire life, you know. So if you saw your last name in your dream, maybe the letters won't move. But that's what it was, and it was a very important message to me about that. But then it put me in the next room, and I saw like, like twenty to fifty versions of me, and they were all climbing all over me, and like wanted to like give me love and affection. But uh, it was it was really weird, dude. Like if you see the movie Love and UFOs you'll understand. And then I was like, F this, I wanted to get out of there. And then in this next stage of my life that I could be going into, I saw someone that was, we were riding bikes and going and then we turned and went back up the hill and we're like helping each other ride faster and faster. It was really cool. It was like a really positive dream in the sense of made me feel really good about where my life could be going. So that's what I take it for. Yeah. We'll call these like just, big dreams you know the, the idea of big dreams oh, and, a, and, and little dreams. yeah it's a very terribly long episodic like a movie almost and there's so many emotions and everything as well it's not like it's and and conversations like not conversations but enough to where there's a message of like yeah, yeah keep going keep going or oh don't fall like, i didn't i didn't it's, and then the emotion behind it just, I, I could almost get like choked up about is it. really great do you feel that these big dreams with these contact dreams or whatever you want to call them, do you feel that they come yeah. at, at moments? Significant it, times, yes. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like when your oh, life's going to change or anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anytime that there's going to be some type of like reality shift and, and you're asking spirit or your guides or whatever to say, hey, could this be the right thing? They, they'll usually come through. But there's other things that can help you as well. Like I, I played the didgeridoo, I think the day before, or maybe that afternoon. So I did some deep breathing exercises and that helps your brain get in a theta state when you're awake during the day. So like learning to circular breathe and play the didgeridoo was, uh, I think really helped. Then that, that helps with dream time anyway. So I'm sure you know a lot about the aboriginals and of Australia and how significant the didgeridoo is. I know it's a, it's a yeah it's definitely a big thing just for uh, dream work and and trance work and so forth and uh, sure I uh, would love to learn how to play it myself yeah yeah the incident where you had sleep paralysis and the reptilian was there yeah C- can you describe the the reptilian 
yeah, if you look up reptilian on Google and one of the pictures that you see, it looked exactly like that. That's from the Mars website. I mean, dead on. They all look very similar. That's why they're so like, they're like so cloned. Like the reptilians are, are very cloned. That's why they're all sick as they are. And the uh, grays are, that's why there's that supposed hybridization program. Like these things that I don't know if they're versions of us or from other universes or dimensions, but it's a lot of this genetics program. And like I've listened to Barbara Marciniak, she talks about Earth being the living library. And then going to, um, I have this, I haven't read this book in forever, but what is it? The Spirit Science, The Science of the Soul by Robert Sibleroad. Great book. There's just certain things that, are, have been a foundation for where we're at right now. Do you feel that entity was trying to, you know, do something? Yeah, it was trying to attach. It was, there was going to be a sleep paralysis. Like I was getting into puberty, like becoming, like getting into my power, I guess, as a young man. And if I was waking up out of a dream and then ran into that and had my consciousness where it's at, I'm, I think people, being a musician as well like that helps for your consciousness as well so yeah that was just hovering over me trying to hold me down and i just would have let it get all its loose fill that it wanted to get and been like oh my god i just looked at it right in the eye and said you have no control over me i mean it's it was a good thing because that was the only time in my entire life that i'd ever seen that yeah which is and i've seen repeats not of the same ones but i've I've seen repeats of like star people that you know are like maybe like Pleiadian or other type of things that you see those drawings and pictures of them. I've had dreams where I've been walking through like halls of a bunch of people and I'm meeting a bunch of people and they're not like regular people. They're like, there's like a being of light and there's other types of people, but not like, not like the Star Wars crazy, um, what is it that one bar where there's like, all the different aliens hanging out? The cantina or whatever, yeah. Yeah, the cantina. It's not exactly like that, but it's just you just kind of know that you're somewhere else, and it's just I don't know. It's a, it's a great place to be able to hang out in your dreams instead of having like those weird dreams, and they don't happen all the time. But instead of having those weird dreams where you're like, I don't know, whatever you're upset about, or it's in the back of your mind, like you're driving your car and you're not the one driving it or it's going reverse up a hill and then you look up the symbols for that and you're like okay so where you have the dream where your teeth are falling out i've had that one mm-hmm. that's always a good one have so, you had sleep paralysis since no no i've not thank Just god once and done yeah i guess and mm-hmm. um that's one thing i would suggest to anybody if they get this sleep paralysis to have that affirmation that you have no control over me or in Jesus name or whatever your, your belief is in, in Buddhist name or for Allah, whomever it is whom you pray to, um, I think it has a lot to do with it. Um, yeah. That, I mean, that's, I've, I've heard so much about that and I've had my own experiences that confirm it at least, you know, as far as I'm concerned. And yeah. it leads me to wonder if there's not, a belief component, you know, in other words, it seems like, you know, you if you're Christian, if you're Christian, Jesus works. If you're, you know, if you're a Wiccan goddess works, if you're, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera. If you're, if you're Muslim, Allah works, et cetera. So yeah. I wonder if, if there's not a belief component and, and now I'm not saying belief as in that they're not real, but as in 
just belief in general. Like for yeah. me, I didn't say yeah. anything about God. I wasn't thinking about God when there was an eight foot reptilian in my room looking over me. Like, cause I woke up out of the dream and my room was as it is. So it's like, there's some in between state mm-hmm. where we can't see shit. like we don't have the entire visual spectrum. There's something outside of that. And while your consciousness is zoning back into your body, I think there's these things that are around us to try and take your energy. And that's why people get so pissy like about stuff. Like, just kind of weird no no i I think i mean and i think that's good advice to uh assert control and wow you were young to do that you know um yeah but good that you did because i think that is good advice whatever way you do it you know yeah yeah but it is funny that for the longest time i thought that it was maybe like a family member standing over me or something weird but it was like like it was impossible like because that's like what i'm getting at is like because i woke up and i was very it wasn't like i wasn't drained like i woke up and i was still like i was it was like usually you wake up out of a dream and you're like wow i was so refreshing and you feel good this was like i woke up and was not like sick to my stomach but was like was like i fought my way back into reality i didn't it didn't release me mm-hmm. you get what i'm saying yeah so it's like that's that's where I think that it was a big step for me is is who I am it's spiritually in my journey stepped into my power to say look these things aren't going to attach to me I'm going to stay on the light side and the right side and since thankfully I've had dreams where like I guess if I was falling asleep before I started using this wireless earbud I, I had my old recording headphones and I had them on my head and was falling asleep and I was also not in a good place but I had dreams of like stuff biting me but the, it was this you know like like imagine putting like a big set of cans on just one side of your head but falling asleep mm-hmm. you're like rolling around and this thing's touching the back of your neck and you have dreams of like you had bats biting you or something like that like just stupid stuff like that but nothing nothing more with big like entities and things that are coming after me that I'm scared of I've had other reoccurring dreams as like a, a young little kid, but that was more TV programming, like a, like a Freddy Krueger dream or something stupid like that. But mm-hmm. but the other stuff with the star people, I think, was very. Uh, it's always very very once in a while. I don't. It's not a regular thing. I'm not obsessed with that that type of dreaming or that type of interaction because it's it is it's only once in a while that you remember it. I don't know where we go at night when we sleep, but mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty interesting idea. Yeah, there's a dream component to this stuff. I was very, I don't think I was suspicious of that before. I was so concerned with the reality of this stuff, you know what I mean? And yeah. and convincing people that no, 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 this is, this is really happening to people. People are really experiencing this stuff. Yeah. That I did want to take the dream component into the story so much because mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, it was just a dream. You know, and, yeah. but they seem to be such a such a part of this. And again, I don't know it's how it all ethereal. works. It's it, it's a, yeah. it's above my pay grade to tell you how exactly yeah. it works. But it's like if they can't if they can't get you one way, they'll get you another. And I don't mean get you in a bad yeah. way, but it'll get to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. it's going to mm-hmm. be in your dreams if it's not in waking yeah. life. Yeah. Or think about it this way if they do have the possibility of getting the this what do they call them screen memories mm-hmm. so you go to sleep right they wake you up they give you the men in the black thing you're zapped so you, they pull you through the wall you're awake but you're not going to remember any of it because they erased your memory from once you're awake 
to what the hell they did with you. And they're like, look, you're used to us. They compartmentalize it. I mean, that's how these people lose their shit because some people, I guess, break through that type of dissociation and mm-hmm. the, that veil. Like, that's where I would think like that a lot of the shadow people and the hat man, this was what I was talking with my friend about today because he was talking about the hat man. I'm like, oh, the hat man. I'm like, yeah, that's like a thing. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah. he's, and he's like, well, I know, but I'm like, hey, it's like a real big thing now. It's not like just a little thing. Like mm-hmm. everybody that has hat man experiences is now talking about it so that we can figure out how to get rid of the hat man. And I possibly think that they could just be the cloaked ones because I was getting into loosh. This goes back to the idea of like love and UFOs. And if there's all these things that have to run these craft, whether or not they're in our dimension or not, then the hybrid program uses us to make more of them and they still mess things up. And that's why they bring you up there every once in a while. It's this, I don't want to give away the movie, but it's really, really interesting. And the idea too is that the ones that they can't use is, is the loosh. And so there's possibilities of, of parts of people and especially people don't have their own, like I don't have my own family. So that energy, instead of it staying in the 3D, is still up in this 5D or outside this ethereal realm where it could be happening. But and maybe it's just a deep subconscious type of thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll always wonder, and I wouldn't want to experience like in the flesh, like I'm talking with you right now. But when I was dreaming, it seemed pretty real. Mm-hmm. And just, but the dreams are usually kind of wispier and flashier, and they're they're almost more than real to those types of dreams because you get all the impressions of people and you get all the psychic connections. So you're like, oh, dude, I'm dreaming because they're because they're saying stuff to me and their lips aren't moving and they're looking at me kind of sideways, like, oh. Andrew, thank you so much for sharing your stories. Yeah, much obliged, and uh, thank you so much for all your work. I enjoy Stone Breath. I enjoy your artwork, and uh, I'm excited for what's to come. Thanks so much. I know people commonly get bunnies for Easter, which isn't always a great idea if you're not a bunny person, if you're not prepared. But do people get puppies for Easter? Is that a gift that people get for Easter? Well, I know there's people out there who have puppies and they need help. They need help with training. 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you. They have a relationship-based approach that helps you and your puppy become perfect for each other. It's not about changing the puppy to make it fit in a mold. It's about meeting the puppy in the middle. You and your puppy learn to become perfect for each other. They have online sources, video lessons, a secret Facebook group. One-on-one options are available. You can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. They can help you understand how your dog thinks. And they'll apply proactive training methods so you and your puppy can become perfect for each other. Adopting a dog, it's one of the best decisions you can make in your life. But if you're getting frustrated and overwhelmed and you need help, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you. Again, you can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. Once again, we're pushing the stereo views with the Strange Familiar Stereo View Society. Can we make that official and make a t-shirt? Might as well. <laughs> we could at least make a T-Public t-shirt for yeah, it. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I, would really, I would really like that. Yeah. No, I'm, I'd love stereo views. 
I think I've kind of won you over to stereo views a little bit. You were less into them. I'm, not that you yeah, dislike them. Well, but, they're kind of like, they're looked down upon in the photo community They're as lesser. Yeah. And I don't know why. I guess maybe because they're more, they're not really like one-offs. They're right. more commercially available. So I guess it's less special or something, but they're still rare. I mean, you're not going to yeah. come across them. These super are still often. things from the 1800s. They're yeah, they can hold in your hand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Stereo views, sometimes they just got into topics that, you know, your neighborhood photographer might not have done, mm-hmm. you know, because they, they have a broader base. Yeah, so, and they're, they're supposed to be entertain- for entertainment value. Yeah, yeah. So you get some things that are on the margins of uh, propriety. So tonight's stereo view, or back to the stereo views. We told people we were going to do less stereo views, but this is a really cool one. So <laughs> we're back to the stereo views. Strange familiar stereo view of the week. <laughs> <laughs> it's Little Red Riding Hood. And it's this really pretty little girl and this really kind of ferocious looking wolf that I'm assuming is taxidermy. I think that's probably a safe assumption. I love the fact that they just have that prop there in the studio, just, you know, whenever you need it. Maybe they brought it in for that particular photo shoot. I bet there's a series. She's probably in different poses. It could be. I'm guessing this is hmm, 1880s, maybe? Yeah. It really reminds me of some of like Julia Margaret Cameron's. It does have that kind of feel mm-hmm. to it. It has that softness and like a very almost feminine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're into the wolf thing and don't tell me the big bad wolf was a dog man, I'm not having it. I know we went off on the original version of this episode. There was a long dog man rant, which <laughs> at this point I'm kind of over. I'm thinking yeah, just like just wolves not, are cool. I'm not a fan of the dog mans. <laughs> I'm a werewolf guy. Check this image out. You can go to our show notes. There'll be an image of this stereo view. If you click on that, it'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can purchase this and other curiosities of the week, including other stereo views and other historical photos. Allison has other antique photos up there, quite a selection. I have my books you can purchase on Etsy, my artwork. You can get originals or prints there. We have strange familiar shirts, stickers, and more Go ahead and check it out. Our shop name is Lost Grave, but if you type in Strange Familiars, you should see our stuff come up. While you're on Etsy, make sure to check out our friends at Karmic Garden. They have a Strange Familiar scent, a Flannel Man scent, and lots of other wonderful scents for soaps, lotions, perfumes, and much more. Check them out. It's Karmic Garden. And of course, Chad has his shop on Etsy, Ruck Rabbit Outdoors. We have... Another patron show coming up this month. Last month, I made Allison watch The Legend of Boggy Creek. This month, I made her watch a new film about changelings. So we'll be talking about that. Hopefully, we'll have a guest on to talk with us. If not, we got plenty to cover ourselves. That'll be the second patron show for the month. I'm not sure when that will drop. Sometime before the end of the month. How's that? Besides that, we always have our weekly episodes We'll be back next week with more Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music by Stone Breath, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. 
We are on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, one word. And you can find us on the web, where, Allison? At strangefamiliars.com. book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.